It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Stephen Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight with Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Dan. Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Well, good evening to you. Happy Saturday. Welcome into Sports Wrap. Uh, Tigers in progress in Houston uh, this evening. And, I, and look, three-game losing streak. They split that uh, doubleheader against Pittsburgh uh, just the other day. And... and I don't know what exactly is happening with this team. And and yes, we understand that they're not hitting at the plate. They're not scoring enough runs. Although this Astro series has been relatively competitive, they're making too many errors in the field. Their starting pitching isn't good enough. The bullpen is the only thing that's, I think, propped this this, this team up so far. And, and now you're dealing with a situation where Spencer Torkelson was bent was was out of the lineup for two of the last three games, and th- this has turned into a bit of a I I don't know if I want to call it a surprise. I don't know if I I mean because I don't think this team was going to be very good anyway. But I expected them to at least be competitive. I expected them to at least be entertaining. And Jason. Throughout these first 25 games, Tigers 8 and 17, they haven't been much of any of those things. No, and they the frustrating thing is they've improved offensively, adding an Austin Meadows, adding Javier Baez, and then for them not to be, you know, hitting the ball. They did they out hit Houston the other night nine to eight, but they didn't score their their two runs until with two strikes and two outs on a Jamer Candelario two-run homer only to turn around and lose it in the bottom of the ninth, which is so frustrating. But you've got certain guys in this lineup. Akil Badu is not hitting. Jonathan Scope's not hitting like he did last year. It's very puzzling, and it's it's hard to tell what the, the solution is. Well, I think, okay, let's maybe pump the brakes here a little bit, right? Because... For as I mean, you remember 35 and 5, 1984. That that was Sparky's Anderson or Sparky Anderson's barometer of the 40 game mark. Because you really gotta take this thing a, a little bit in stride. And again, you're dealing with a, a league that had a late go at spring training. And I it just feels it feels like for this team, like they just haven't found the groove yet. Like they haven't quite got the wheels spinning yet. And and yes, they they've been in, bitten by the injury bug a little bit. Boo hoo! That happens in in pro baseball. Um, but at the same time, it just feels like they haven't found the groove. They haven't quite caught their rhythm yet. And unfortunately for them, twenty five games in, they haven't looked very good. And 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 you're right. You talk about Akil Badu, who last year was a guy. He was kind of a revelation for that team early on. But then he kind of faded. And now you understand why he is the player that he was in 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 in, in you know Jonathan Scope's another great example. 
But 25 games, is it fair to judge this team at this point? Is it fair to make kind of declarative statements on this team? Like, are they very good? Like, are, are, are do they stink? Like, at what point are, do we, do you feel like we can really grade this team? Is 40 games the marker? I think so. I think uh, because when, once you get some starting pitching back, and I know Casey Mize is supposed to throw this week coming up, so he's not too far off. So once you start maybe getting some people back, you know, Riley Green is going to be in the mix. Some people say, oh, well, he'll be the savior. Well, we haven't seen him yet, so we don't know what he's going to bring to the table. Um, we're hoping it's good things. Torkelson, of course, we, we didn't know what to expect. He's off to a slow start. Um, 25 games, I think, is a little too early because we're st- – and and I know we'll, uh, a lot of people say, well, the weather, but the weather has been uh, – you know, there were there were five rainouts yesterday. Right. Uh, you know, more rainouts today. The weather still has not peaked. And as much as people say, well, boo-hoo, well, it affects baseball players for sure. Um, you mentioned Spencer Torkelson, and then I want to particularly talk about Torkelson and Riley Green. Riley Green, it's easy to say, well, Riley Green's the savior because he still hasn't suited up for this team, still hasn't worn the old English D yet. And so it's easy to say, well, Riley Green's the answer. That feels like like that's a that's a cop-out to me because we don't know. We don't know how Riley Green is going to perform up in the bigs. But so far, Spencer Torkelson has been a disappointment. Um. You know, Torque even uh, over the last couple of years in the minors has been a guy that got off to a slow start at every level, whether it's single, double, or or triple A ball, he's gotten off to slow starts. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to say, well, Torque's going to turn this thing around. Again, 25 games in. But at the same time, I think fans expected a little more out of Torque. And and that's a tough spot to be in if you're Spencer Torkelson. But at the same time, a, a kind of a lot's been expected of you. And so when you're when you come in um and and you're performing at the way at the level he has been, you know, it just you, you just can't have that. Yeah, in this day and age of you, you, you know, back in the day, we didn't know much about minor league players. We heard about stuff here and there. Now they're under a microscope. So we've been hearing about him and Riley Green for the last couple of years. So you figure when Torque comes in, he's going to instantly just click and maybe not, not fair for him, you know, and everyone's going to be put under a microscope once, you know, with, with the offense struggling this bad, including him. Uh, Spencer Torkelson batting 167, three jacks, eight RBI. An, o, an, o, an OPS of under 600. I mean, it's just not good. It's just not good. And and unfortunately for him, again, you talk about being under the microscope. He's one of the guys that are under the microscope, and he just hasn't been playing very well yet. Um, slow start, 25 games in. The, the jury's not out on this kid. I mean, come on. But at the same time, when you're looking for, like this team has been looking for an answer for, the better part of almost a decade, right? Like for the better part of five, six years, like 2016 is a long time ago. You know what I mean? Like we're way past that. And so this team needs an answer. Miguel Cabrera ain't the answer. And so they need somebody else to be that answer. And, and Spencer Torkelson has been 
one of the options to be that answer. Rodley Green's been another one, but he ain't here yet. And so I think Torque is going to take a lot of this heat. I think Torque is going to be the guy who, 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 but you know, Jace is going to be under the microscope for both he and Riley Green. Because if at least Riley Green were up here, you'd have a, 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 a that microscope would be split to a certain extent. And, and right now, Torque's under it completely all alone. And, and again, when you're batting 167, some of that, some of those overtures of, huh? What? Why? People scratching their heads. I think it's warranted. Yeah, and, I, and he did. I believe he homered out opening day, so he had he did get off to an all right start, you know, in the first week. And you're like, wow, okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be great. New superstar slugger here. And um, as the month went along, he just he started to. But I mean, he's he's a young player. It's his first year in the big leagues. It's possibly you know it's understandable. You know, I mean, you hope it doesn't continue, but absolutely. Again. 25 games in. You got to stress that because this is the, 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 this is not an indictment on the kid. I think he's going to be a good ball player. I just think I, I, because of the slow start that the whole team has, has gotten off to, I don't think that helps his case. That's for sure. Uh, in the meantime, Tigers in Houston taking on uh, the, the Strohs and, and l- looking forward to what this what's on the on the horizon here they've got a uh is this a five game uh stand in oakland that is so bizarre i don't know yeah, oakland, oakland coming here and oakland I, here and they've yes. got a double header on tuesday yep so you've got five games versus uh the a's at home then you're uh hosting baltimore hosting tampa bay and then hosting Cleveland for uh, a, a, a triple. That's a stretch where you can get right. That's a stretch yeah. where you can get right. Oakland isn't very good. Uh, Baltimore isn't very good. And this is, you're exactly right. This is a time where you can get right. Oakland 10 and 16 on the year. Baltimore, uh, in the meantime, 10 and 16 on the year. Again, these aren't teams that are very good. This is the stretch where they can say, all right, let's go out and start winning some series here. Let's go out and take four from Oakland. Let's go out and take two from Baltimore. Go take two from Cleveland and Tampa Bay. That'll get this thing turned around in a hurry. If you can start winning series. And then you've got Minnesota, who to me is just a conundrum. I, I have no idea what to I have no idea what to think about about the twins. Well, our, our friend Carlos Correa last night got plunked in the wrist twice. Yep. He's uh, not expected to hit the injury list, but uh, out for at least day-to-day. Yeah, he's banged up. Uh, in the meantime, it's something that we're going to keep an eye on, but but the stretch coming up is an opportunity for them to, to start turning this thing in a different direction, start really finding some traction here. They could do it against teams like Oakland, Baltimore, uh, and Tampa Bay coming up. In the meantime, take a quick break. Come back. Sports Wrap continues here on WJR. We're going to talk college football and whether or not the NCAA should be the governing body of college football. That's next. Now 
back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back into Sports Wrap. Uh, and, you, you know, college football is, is a unique sport in the sense that the postseason in college football is run independently from the, the governing body of college football. Like college football falls under the umbrella of the NCAA. But it's the college football playoff committee is the one in charge of carrying out seeding and, and where these teams are going to play. It's all under the college football playoff committee. Well, now the athletic director at Ohio state, Gene Smith, uh, talking at the big 10 spring meetings this week said that the college football playoff committee should have a much more expanded role in major college football. Again, you're dealing in a, in a time of college football of the transfer portal of name, image, and likeness, better known as NIL. And now Smith has suggested that the FBS level teams in college football should operate under the college football playoff committee with its own set of rules. All the while the NCAA would continue to host championships for basketball, March Madness, and the Olympic sports. Here's what Gene Smith had to say to ESPN this week. We can create our own rules, create our own governance structure. I have our own enforcement. We have our own requirements, whatever that might be. That might be in the medical space, for example. If a student athlete is injured and hurt in his or her senior year, you take care of them uh, until they're healed. And we have funding in place to do that. You can't touch anything else with the NCAA. You keep the academic requirements in place. The reality is those schools who offer 85 scholarships in football have made a different commitment, and that needs to be addressed. He did end up saying that he was just throwing ideas out there, but but he, Gene Smith, being the athletic director at Ohio State, that certainly carries some weight. And, and as this sport continues to evolve, as, the, as this sport continues to change, the reality is, Smith said, is we need to begin to control our own space. We've got to make sure that we're careful with antitrust laws, but at the end of the day, we need different rules. So let me start. I want to kind of start on the transfer portal stuff. So the transfer portal is something that I, I understand why it exists. I don't think that we should um, penalize kids for, for wanting to leave school for another school for whatever reason that is, be it academic or athletic. But at the same time, it feels like it's out of control. 
it feels like it's become excessive. I saw one guy the other day. This will be his like seventh school he's transferred to. College football player, super senior, six year. It'll be his seventh school. And it's like, that's enough of that. So I understand the portal. I understand giving the the athletes and the students the ability to make some decisions that they feel is best for them. I got no problem with that. But there, it feels like there need to, there needs to be some more oversight. It feels like there needs to be some extra stipulations attached to this. But here's the other part. Is when you're dealing with NIL, and NIL, again, as somebody who who believes that these players making buku money for for schools, and again, I'm talking about big time, uh, big time football teams, big time athletic departments, Big Ten, SEC, the Pac-12, the ACC. They're making money for the school. So I always, I always found it, you know, I, I, I don't have much of a problem with kids being able to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. I got to say it to me, it, it doesn't, it makes a lot of sense. Plus it's going to help the way that you recruit. It's going to help the way that you attract talent to your school. But even the NIL stuff has gotten out of hand. Because now what you're seeing is boosters, super boosters, joining together to try to get, you know, X player to their school. And and uh, again, when you're dealing with that, that, that's not what NIL was supposed to be. It, NIL was supposed to be, uh, you, you know, Johnny Two Tones goes down the street and gets a deal with the car dealership. And he has to drive a car with a license plate uh, frame that says, uh, you know, whatever. I got my car at the uh, at uh, Jimmy John's uh, Jeep dealership. And so that's what it was supposed to be. And the questions of when NIL started was, okay, well, who's going to manage this for kids? Who's going to manage this for these kids? If they have to go to an event, if they have to go to, to uh, you know, the dealership so they can talk to people and shake hands and kiss babies. Who's keeping track of their schedule for them? Cause they still got class. They still got practice. So now you're throwing in promotional events too. That was always the worry early on. Now it's evolved. Now it's okay. How do we get X player here? Well, let's call our three biggest donors have them pitch in 750K each, and let's go get them. And that's, it's turned in, and and when you combine that with the transfer portal, and, and look, the transfer portal and NIL go hand in hand. If you don't think kids are transferring to schools because of the money, of the, of the monetary opportunities that are there, like what was that kid uh, out in at, at Pitt who transferred to USC? The receiver, Addison, I think his name was, going to, to to USC, going from Pittsburgh to USC. I wonder if there was any financial gain in there for the young receiver. All I'm saying is, of course, there was. I think he ended up getting a million dollars. <laughs> 
again, I don't begrudge you for getting your money. Get paid, boo-boo. But at the same time, this is getting out of control. It's turning into the wild, wild west. And for me, Jace, here's a crazy thought. Here's one of my, here would be one of my proposed rule changes for the NIL and the transfer portal. If you transfer, you are ineligible to receive NIL money for the next eight months, six months after you transfer. You cannot benefit from your from your name, image, or likeness for six months after you transfer. Because again, what they're doing is they're transferring somewhere where they're going to make big money. No, not more. It will at least give you pause to say, okay, look, what's important to you here? Is it just money or are you in a situation where you're really unhappy? And then that six months really isn't going to matter. But I'd be really curious to know uh, uh, what some of these changes would be. The NC, look, the NCAA feels like it's been obsolete for a long time. It feels kind of old school and it just feels like, it, you know, I, I don't necessarily disagree with Gene Smith. If it, if the, if the CFP is operating essentially college football, then what do we need the NCAA for in college football? Why do we need basically two governing bodies? It muddies the waters. And again, in a time when we're dealing with some change in college football, it might not be the worst idea. What are your thoughts on this, Chase? Well, anytime you throw money into it, you never know. But um, I, I, with the with the one kid that that transferred six times, I believe you said, yeah. What I wonder what the the uh, they should have a rule in place on how many times you can transfer. So there is a rule uh, in place on how many times oh, there is you can one. transfer. Well, it used to be that you'd have to sit out a year. Um, but he's just transferring. Right. Like he's just and then they then they got the free year because of COVID. Um, and then you know, then it used to be, well, if there was a reason you were leaving, then you could leave and you could appeal to the NCAA and have uh, eligibility right away. Then they came up with the transfer rule that you get one transfer where it doesn't matter. You can go ahead, transfer, and have your eligibility available right away. So he kind of he got he was right on the fringe of when all of this started, right? So he's the super transfer. So it's like he transferred, had to sit out a year, transferred, got his appeal heard, won, transferred, right. got the year eligibility for for being able to transfer, then transferred again, got the super seat. You know, like it just like kind of all <laughs> fell into place. It was the dominoes that were perfectly lined up for him to to, to get to this point. But but there again more oversight there has to be we can't allow this to happen year after year after year there will be no continuity in college football none zero right and unless you're somebody like mel tucker who apparently can can manipulate the portal masterfully you know it's gonna make it's gonna make college football really weird because you're gonna start seeing really young teams that aren't going to be able to compete because all of their upperclassmen, all of the guys with playing experience have, have left. And then you, then you look at what, you know, Hunter Dickinson said about the university of Michigan and their NIL program and said, look, the deal is here's the reality. 
is Michigan's going to lose out on a lot of really good players because they don't have an NIL system set up in place that's going to benefit the student-athlete. While you've got SEC teams, ACC teams, Pac-12 teams that have set up NIL departments in an effort to facilitate this stuff, in an effort to to, to kind of keep everything on the tracks. Well, you got to change with the times. You got to change with the times. You can't be left standing in the mud or else you'll just sink. And so when Hunter Dickinson comes out and says, look, Michigan's going to be in trouble if they don't, if they don't adapt, essentially. This is, this is where more oversight is needed. And unfortunately right now we just don't have any of it. Uh, more on sports rap as we continue next. Got to take a quick break coming up on the other side. There has been so much made about this competitive golf league that will essentially mirror the PGA. They've been trying and trying to lure PGA players away, and it's all backed by Saudi Arabian money. Of course, terrible human rights uh, cases. They've got a terrible track record in that front, but they're throwing out millions and millions and millions of dollars. And now we're starting to see some pro golfers, some PGA players head on over. One of them is a really interesting large name who's been connected to the LIV before. We'll talk about who that is next on SportsRack. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. So there will be eight. Eight tournaments in the inaugural LIV Live Golf Invitational Series. In this particular tour is backed by Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabian money particularly government money from Saudi Arabia. And this is a Greg, Greg Norman backed league. And you're talking about big time money, big time money being thrown at this. I think the first tournament, the purse is like 25, $28 million. I mean, it's Buku money. I mean, that is not, the same it is not comparable to what the pga is dealing with so you're dealing with big big money so here is the deal you've got somebody like greg norman who who was a a, i don't know what kind of of hit both professionally and pr wise greg norman has taken because of this um, because of his backing of this league, but from a from a from a a standpoint of a legacy, I think it's taken a hit for Greg Norman being a backer of this. And with that said, this league is trying to lure golfers away, trying to lure golfers away from the PGA. Because look, let's not beat around the bush. The PGA has got the biggest names in golf, the biggest names in golf. And they want a cut of that. They want, they want, they want that talent.
because that will draw ratings. It will bring eyeballs. If all of a sudden, you know, Tiger Woods is playing in the LIV, he's not. But if that's the kind of draw, if that's the kind of pull you're looking for, you'll get the eyes. You get the eyeballs. So now, a couple of, of people have already said that they will withdraw. Will, they will ask for an exemption from PGA to play in this. One of them has been uh, attached to this league for a very long time. Uh, one of them has uh, has had a, a run-in with this recently, something we've covered here on Sports Wrap. Um, and it's Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson has officially filed to be in the field for the upcoming PGA Championship and U.S. Open. You're thinking, okay, great. But he's also filed for a PGA Tour exemption to take part in the inaugural Live Golf Invitational Series. Now, I don't know. There has not been anything... Uh, there has not been anything publicly about other players doing this. Uh, FYI, I'm getting this from pro golf now, uh, which is, uh, I believe, um, part of the, and now I can't find it because my page is shut down a legit website. And here is what, Phil Mickelson's agent, Steve Loy says, Phil has no concrete plans on when and where he will play. Again, this is two days ago. Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, has stated on multiple occasions that anyone that chooses to participate in the live could potentially lose their PGA eligibility. Although, I, it would be tough to argue you booting Phil Mickelson from the PGA Tour if he competes in one of these things. I just, I don't see that happening. Lee Westwood, another guy that has openly said he wants to participate in this thing. And I, and to be fair, what Lee Westwood said in a nutshell is, uh, hey guys, I make, this is my job. I do this because I need to make money. I love playing golf, but I do this as a job. This is my job. I don't have a nine to five. I play golf. That's what I do. So if somebody says, you have an opportunity to win $25 million. What am I going to do? Say no. This is my job. This is what I do. And again, people who have been detractors of this are saying, look, this is essentially dirty money. Saudi Arabia has a terrible track record on, on human rights violations. They've got a long storied history on on silencing press, particularly in the Jamal Khashoggi uh, murder. And these are all things that people are pointing to about the LIV and saying, this is why this is why this thing isn't any good. This is why we don't want any part of this. And then you've got guys that have just been full-blown um, PGA loyalists. Like, this is where I play. I am on the PGA Tour. This has been my dream. This is this is the NFL of golf. This is where we want to be. And 
and they have no interest in going over there. But you know what? What I what I find really interesting is Jace, remember when they announced the uh the top 10 players um every year that had the most popularity were going to win a cut of money. I think it was like 40 million dollars. You remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it came out a couple well it came out a year ago or so that they announced that. And it kind of, you know what it feels like to me? Feels like the PGA knew this was coming. Feels like the PGA realized that, boy, we got to start keeping, we got to start making sure that our big name players stay with us. So no, let's I'm not, create I'm, this other thing, another I, I, avenue for them to make some money. And I, I'll tell you what, looking back, it feels like this is, a response to that. Now I'm not completely smartened up on how, how a golfer, uh, how it works, but are they considered uh, independent contractors where they, if they want to choose to go play in this, they can, or is it stated in contracts that they must stick with the PGA? So really, um, yes. So in order to keep your card, you have to commit to playing so many tournaments a year. And so that's where um, you, you see players sitting out certain tournaments or sitting out certain events because they don't want to play or they don't have to play or they don't like the course for whatever reason. But you got to play a certain number of rounds. Well, with all that being said, this isn't like being on the Detroit Lions and having the Fords play, uh, pay for your airfare or pay for your medical. All of that is on the players. So the players pay for their own travel. The players pay for for all of those things. Now, you're dealing with sponsors and, you know, all of those things, right? But yes, that that falls that's on the onus of the player. So there is, you know, I think there are instances in where players will file for an exemption for the PGA. Like Lee Westwood's a great example. Lee Westwood is a PGA tour card holder, but he has spent most of his career on the European tour. And so he says, look, if you ask me, do I feel like I am a PGA tour member or, or a European tour member? I feel like I'm a European tour member. I feel like I play on the European tour. That's where I play most of my golf tournaments. And again, being from, from England, it's not a surprise. But with, but at the same time, it's not uncommon when you're dealing with a, like, it's not crazy for, for Tommy Fleetwood to bounce back and forth between the European tour and the PJ tour. They're different tours and I suppose they're competitors, but the European tour is, is not on the same level as the PGA tour. But this new tour that Greg Norman is trying to push is one that is serious because it's got money. Because there's a ton of money behind it. And people don't like where the money's coming from. And that's the issue. And then you had people like Phil Mickelson coming out and saying a couple of months ago, ah, look, it's no big deal. Ah, It's no big deal. The PGA Tour, they, they they need to shake up anyway. We're we're in a we're in a bad place. 
bashing Jay Monahan, the whole thing. Ah, well, we need a shakeup. This would be the one. All I'm saying is that it feels like there, there is a movement here to get people to the LIV. How many will go? I don't know. But it certainly sounds like somebody like Phil Mickelson is interested. Now, let me uh, let me uh, throw this out there. Now, I don't know if you saw the story a couple of days ago about Phil Mickelson, and he's got a book coming out. Oh, yeah. Or the uh, book that's being written about him. Yes, it's, a, it's, a, it's an unauthorized <laughs> autobiography. Where he lost $40 million in gambling from 2010 to 2014. So maybe it's just, hey, I... <laughs> I want to go make the money. I need the dough. Right. <laughs> right. And and I and look, I'm fine. Like that's <laughs> fine. But understand that he also lost his sponsorship. He lost a bunch of sponsorships True. because of the comments he made about this particular tournament, about the 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 PGA. And and because of that, he's lost out. And now, you're right, Jason. I'm sure that he'll he'll take every opportunity to win some dough. Uh, we gotta take gotta take a quick break on sports rap. More next. By the way, uh, the race for the roses is tonight. Couple of minutes from now, we'll get a quick preview of that as we continue here on WJR. Now back to more sports rap, presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back into Sports Wrap. It's Derby Day. Uh, first of all, I got to say, getting down to Churchill, it's 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 got to be on the bucket list, right? Jason, have you ever been down there for, for, for the Kentucky Derby? No, I have not. It, I, it just seems like it's one of those, it's one of those things that you got to do. As a sports fan, it feels like it's a bucket. It's it's like uh, you got to go to to uh, you know uh, Wrigley Field. Like it's one of those destinations where you just feel like I got to go. So it's on the bucket list, but I have not been. Uh, Kentucky Derby's tonight. Race getting underway in just a couple of minutes. Six fifty-seven. It's set to fire off. Um, and I got to be honest with you, Jason. I know very little about horse racing. Like almost zero about horse racing. I know that Bob Baffert is a great horse uh, trainer, but he's also a dirt bag. So let's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he got popped for, for what the, the winner last year uh, basically was doping. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so taking banned substances for heartworms or something. If I remember, right, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but it was crazy. So now Baffert, I think, is out. Like, I don't think he's got a horse here uh, in this particular running of um, of the Kentucky Derby. So here are the, the, the horses in the race. You ready? Mo Donegal, Happy Jack, Epicenter, Summer is Tomorrow, Smile Happy, Messier, Crown Pride, Charge it, tis the bomb, Zandin, pioneer of Medina, Tiaba, simplification, Barber Road, White Abario, Cyberknife, Classic Causeway, Tawny Port, and Zozos. 
So those are the horses that are racing today. And in an effort to try to do right by you, I don't want you to take my advice on horse racing. You will lose every penny you probably will bet. So let me turn to my friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. You ready? Here's what FanDuel says are the best odds for the race in a couple of minutes. You got a couple of minutes. Zandon is the better's favorite. They say the morning line favorite for the Derby ridden by Flavian Pratt, the jockey, who everybody, of course, knows. Uh, the Chad Brown train cold, impressive off the pace win, good off the line, great Derby prep. They're really high on Zandon three to one. Uh, Jason, how about Mo Donegal? Um, really shines on faster tracks, uh, rides uh, really well, they say. He's got a nice pace. Um, submitted, submitted a winning uh, number in his final derby prep at the Wood Memorial. Uh, they like Mo Donegal 10 to 1. Mo Donegal. White Abrario uh, is the one who beat Mo Donegal by four and a half lengths at the Holy Bull Stakes in February. Uh, came back to win the Florida Derby strong. Underrated jockey, they say. And he'll be sitting just off the pace leaders. White of Mario, 10 to 1. Jace, where are you putting your your, your uh, shackles here on this race? Okay. Uh, I'm going to do this on name alone. Okay. And only name alone. Kind of like that person that puts in their brackets and Mark right. doesn't know anything. So They do it based on uh, on on the, the mascot. The mascot, yeah. yeah. So I'm going with Cyberknife. That's okay. the coolest name in this race. 14 to 1 odds, not bad. So he's got a chance. So I'm gonna go with Cyberknife. All right. I'm gonna take two here. I'm gonna I'm gonna take two. I'm gonna take Messier because I'm a hockey fan. So give me Messier. And then give me Tiz the Bomb. Tiz T-I-Z. Tiz the Bomb. Uh to win the Kentucky Derby. Are you a big Derby guy? Like it's two minutes. It's really fast. I love the Derby. And and after a couple of years. You know, COVID, no fans, the whole thing. It's nice to get back to normal here at Churchill Downs. Fastest two minutes in sports, right? Is it, it's, Fastest is it two, minute, two minutes in sports. Two minutes, right. Yeah, I can honestly say I've maybe watched one or two derbies. No. Yeah. This, I'm too busy watching baseball all the time. Fair enough. All right. Uh, that's <laughs> it for tonight. Uh, derby in just a couple of minutes. Uh, have fun betting and uh, enjoy the derby. Uh, have yourself a wonderful night. Back with you tomorrow, 6 to 7, right here on WJ. Have a good night.